Hey, is this thing working? Happy New Year's, everybody. This is the first episode of season four of the Blueprint for California Advocates podcast. I had a delay since my last episode posted because I've been kind of busy. So proud to announce that I did publish my first book at the end of November. It is called Changemaker, an insider's guide to getting shit done at the California Capitol. I would love if you checked it out, picked up a copy. Let me know what you think. Copies are available on my website, which is www.kbhadvocacy.com forward slash changemaker. You can also pick up a copy at Capital Books on K Street in downtown Sacramento. I have two upcoming book signing events that I would love for you to join me. First, January 23rd, I will be doing a book signing 5 to 7 p.m. at Capital Books, again, downtown Sacramento. And then I'm thrilled to announce that on February 22nd, I will be hosting a book signing event at Manny's in San Francisco. You can find information about both events on my website. Again, kbhadvocacy.com. Click on the events link and you can find out more and also RSVP. I am looking forward to seeing you there. I realize that I don't talk too much about the policy committee process on the podcast. This episode is going to remedy that. I have a fabulous conversation with Senator Lena Gonzalez. She was first elected to the Senate in 2019. I think it's brilliant that she is the daughter of a truck driver and now serves as the chair of the California Transportation Committee. She graciously shares her time and her insight on the committee process, how it works behind the scenes, what advocates need to know, the role of committee consultants, what it means to lobby a huge committee like transportation, and how we can make sure that even at the 11th hour before a hearing, members of the committee know what your message is, what position of your organization is. We get into it, and I hope that you take as much out of this conversation as I did. If you find this podcast valuable, I encourage you to leave a review on your podcast player or on YouTube. And hey, you can hit me up on social media. My username is at KBAS Hamilton, both on Twitter, because I refuse to say X, and also on LinkedIn. And you can find me on IG at KBH underscore advocacy. I love social media shout outs. They make me so happy and I'm grateful. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Good morning, Senator Lena Gonzalez. I'm thrilled to have you on today, the Blueprint for California Advocates podcast. Senator Gonzalez represents the 33rd Senatorial District in California, which includes the city of Long Beach, which I have to tell you, Senator, I think that makes us bonded because Sublime is one of my all-time favorite bands. <laughs> awesome. So my connotation of Long Beach is very positive. So, <laughs> But thank you Great. so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Your podcast is awesome, Christina, and I love Sublime as well. So we're in, we're in good company. Awesome. So thanks for joining. What would be an interesting conversation for the audience is to delve into the committee process. 
because that is something I haven't explored too much. I'm not going to say it's not transparent, but there's definitely things that are happening behind the scenes that aren't obvious to folks. And as the chair of Senate Transportation Committee, which is a very important committee, I thought that you could lend some unique insight. But actually, before I start that, I would love if you take, took a moment to introduce yourself and how you started in the community as a leader and what led you to get engaged in state office. Yeah, thanks again for having me on this awesome podcast. It's been really great working with you for, for so long as well. Thanks. So I got started, my uh, parents just innately were very political and I think more just community oriented. So I just mm -hmm. had that in me. But I actually started off as a city council member in Long Beach. I represented downtown Long Beach, the port of Long Beach, some of the most underserved communities in the city from 2014 to 2019 until I got elected to the state Senate. Um, simultaneously, I was working for Microsoft and social responsibility. So it's always been in me to just help the community and especially focusing on underserved communities was really where I lay. And so getting to the state Senate in 2019, I've been in now uh, a little over four years and it's been great. Chair of transportation, which I never thought would be possible, but being the daughter of a truck driver, it was pretty cool to be able to Very now say I'm chair of transportation and moving cool. policy for the state. Yeah. I love that. When did you first get political? When did you first start viewing the world with that lens? I think when my my aunts were very, I had two aunts that I really grew up with when I was younger and my mom, very bold women from Mexico, all immigrants from Mexico, very outspoken. And my aunt was an LAUSD counselor. She actually volunteered a lot for Mayor Tom Bradley's campaigns and in his office a lot. So I think just innately just being around a lot of these bold women, just complete activists for mm. children and families and just more stop signs on their streets, just like the little things, the basics. Mm -hmm. I just was around it all the time. So I think that that really sort of propelled me to start thinking, not explicitly, they didn't tell me you're going to be into politics, but I right. think that just helped me flourish in this, in this space and really gravitate towards it. That's great. I love hearing people's origin stories almost, yeah. you know? Because it's yeah. life could have took you in a totally different direction. But yeah. here you are. You said the daughter of a truck driver, chair yeah. of Senate Transportation, which is just exactly what it should be, actually. It should be people That's right. with lived experience. So let's delve into what it means to be the chair of a major committee or a standing committee like transportation. For a lot of the listeners, they're viewing, obviously, committees from the advocate perspective. We are waiting to get assigned by rules. You know, we find out where it's going. We are requesting our visits with all the members of the committee. Hopefully folks are also requesting time with the consultants on the committee because of the important role that they play. But if you could provide us high level, how, how does that process work for the committee to vet bills that come in? Is there a system in place? What yeah. can you share that would illuminate the process? Yeah, it's a great question because I was still learning when I first got in of, of what that secret sauce was, right? Like, how does this all happen? And the, these bills just magically come to me. And then how do we vet them and get them out? But we see quite a, amount of, a large amount of bills now. I think beforehand, bills were mostly around infrastructure and just sort of the hardcore transportation issues. Now we're starting to see transportation equity and zero emission mm. vehicles and all these different 
really amazing topics within transportation. So our workload mm-hmm. has gotten you know significantly larger. But with that said, we've got uh, 16 members on the committee. Wow. It's a huge committee, nearly yeah. half of the state Senate, 21 um, wow. or 20 uh, members. So it's quite a big, big committee. But what we do is these bills come forward to us. Um, I do a lot of work just an, just on analysis and just reading the bills, um, especially if they're high priority. Uh, that would mean high priority to the Senate Democratic Caucus, mm-hmm. high priority in general in terms of just getting more attention, whether nationally or with advocates. Mm-hmm. And then I sit down with uh, folks across the the state. Um, but really, it's a lot of the inside work being done with the mm-hmm. committee uh, consultants. And I've got three consultants that we work on and they give me the high levels. And then I delve in with them and talk yeah. about if it's active transportation or public safety uh, or traffic safety, what have you, or, or zero emission trucks, whatever it is, we really dig down into the the details. And that takes a couple weeks to get through, especially if we're looking at, say, 50 bills. And some will just have to wait. I do work with behind the scenes a lot of our my colleagues to talk to them about maybe we should go this direction mm-hmm. on a bill on speed cameras. Or maybe you need to talk to more stakeholders on this. Mm-hmm. But it's always with the underlying notion of equity in mind as well. And that's mm-hmm. full stop something that I do not ever let go through my committee without thinking about equity and stakeholders and who it's impacting most. So a lot of that work is behind the scenes and then gets to to see the the full committee. And, and that's when it's mostly baked, 90%, yeah. I would say. That, so that's a really good point. I often counsel advocates that you don't want to not know how it's going to go down when you show up at the committee. Right. Or you should know as best as you can that the work has been done by the time the hearing starts. Yes. The other thing that I think is really important is making sure that your perspective is reflected in the analysis because that is what the members are reading. That's how they're basing a lot of their decisions. And Making sure that you talk to the consultants to share their, they may not know, they don't know your unique perspective or, you know, what the particular issue might be in your community. And so that's an important step in the process as well. I'll tell you, the committee consultants are just, they are amazing. Yes. I do not envy them when we are in the throes of, like you said, 50, 60 bills to hear. Yeah. And they have to hear from so many different stakeholders. It's incredible. The, the support, the opposition, the in-betweens, the members that are saying, yes. don't bring this bill up or please bring yeah. this bill up and add this flavor. So it's a lot to manage. And I definitely commend them for all their good work, for sure. Reflecting the perspective of advocates, one of the things that becomes very frustrating is when you are trying to meet with members of a committee and you just can't. You just can't get a meeting. I want to say most of the time you will be able to at least get meeting with staff, but sometimes you aren't even able to do that. It's balancing that perspective that it's a huge committee. The committee members are on other committees and you all are being approached by hundreds of people all requesting time to talk, right? Everyone wants face time with the senator. But when you can't get that that frustration of how am I making sure that they're hearing our perspective and our voice? And what would you recommend, you know, for advocates who are trying to break through the noise, which is a phrase I use a lot? Yeah, it's a, it's another great question. And I think I try as I know it's not possible given my workload. Mm-hmm. And I know many other colleagues try to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And most committee consultants, like my committee consultants, you know, know that 
all the letters supporting and opposing I want to be able to see in front of me. Oh, even if I didn't meet with you directly, yeah. I want to make sure that I actually have that because if there's something, even if it's late, yeah. we want to make sure we get that in because there could be something really critical in that argument that you're making either right. for or against that could right. sway my thinking that I didn't know about. And yeah. I don't blame many of the advocates for getting in issues late. Sometimes there's a capacity issue with them. Or, right. And they're also, in addition to working on transportation issues, right. they're also working on environmental issues and other issues. Right. So I, I always say, you know what? Everybody is welcome. Even at the 11th hour, I take mm -hmm. everything with mm -hmm. an equitable lens in that sense. But even dropping something off at my office or any of our colleagues' offices, I say, mm -hmm. not just me, I may be the chair, but you also have 15 mm -hmm. other members to convince mm -hmm. So let's make sure that you're touching base with all of the members of the committee. Mm -hmm. And what's great is some of the co the colleagues on, on my committee may say to me, you know what, did you think about this? And it's literally as I'm chairing on that specific issue and we'll do mm -hmm. a sidebar. Mm -hmm. So there are, it's constantly fluid in the state legislature. Mm -hmm. Just get your info out to us. Make sure that you're finding any way possible to communicate with us. And I assure you, at least in, you know, in my committee, I know mm -hmm. that we'll make sure we get that information um, to colleagues as fast as possible. Thank you for doing that and that commitment to hearing all the voices. I wish I could say that that exists all around, but I'll be real. I don't think it does. And it's just good to have that commitment from a chair. What do you think about social media and using that to get your attention? Sometimes it's the most direct way to get in front of somebody. Yeah. I mean, it depends, I guess, if you're on social media or not. But what are your thoughts on using that as an advocacy tool? I think it's great. I think, again, any opportunity you have to advocate is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, I will just add a caveat there is I actually handle most of my social media myself, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. I have a, I do have an official that my team handles. And they let me know if there's something that I should be aware of. But mostly I handle my own, like 80% of it. But other members don't do that, you know, mm -hmm. so they may not be seeing everything through social media. Okay. Some of them I know, some of my colleagues don't handle any of it. They don't even look at it. And that's just their process. I'm not, of course, you know, of course, right. saying anything about that. But right. I think any format is good nonetheless, mm -hmm. because at least it will get to a staffer that will also be critical in that decision-making process too. So I think all of that is great. And especially if you're, the author of a bill. You want as much right. of the tentacles out there for advocacy as totally. possible. So totally. I think it's great. Ariana Z. Smith runs a boutique public affairs firm that specializes in policy writing, advocacy training, and lobbying materials. Ariana has spent nearly 20 years in California's policy circles as legislative staff and as a consultant to statewide professional associations, progressive nonprofits, and lobbying firms like mine. Worked with Ariana several times. In fact, she is the editor of my new book, Changemaker. I trust Ariana because not only is she a brilliant writer, she understands the legislature and can explain it in ways that make sense to people who don't live and breathe this place. Hire her for all your policy communications needs, association newsletters, lobby day training, support letters, background papers, fact sheets, talking points, and more. Find Ariana on LinkedIn or go to her website, arianazsmith.com, and I'll spell that for you. It's A-R-I-A-N-N-A-Z-S-M-I-T-H 
Well, okay, so I'm going to ask you a question that I have long wondered. So one of the techniques of social media or tactics, I should say, with, with advocates is sending out sample messaging or just saying to, to colleagues or coalition members, tag this, this member, the bill is up, you know, and, and everybody's just got to tag the member and urge them to vote yes or whatever. I've totally done it myself because, again, sometimes you can't get immediate FaceTime or whatever. Do you think that annoys people after a while? Does it have a chance of actually having blowback? Certainly doesn't for me because I think I, I again, I want to make sure everybody, regardless of what, how much time you have or what have you, mm-hmm. I know that those sample letters are meaningful for people regardless. Mm-hmm. But I have heard from other colleagues that it could, it's just they're seeing the same thing come in day after day. Their staff is getting inundated and they're just like, yeah. this is it, where their eyes glaze over and they say, you right. know what, forget it. I don't even know what the bill's about, or I'm not right. even going to try to you know, learn about the bill. And I'm just being really crass about it, but that's right. sometimes right. what you hear. Right. And I would say as much as you can personalize it, yeah. the better. I know, again, not every advocacy group has the capacity to come to Sacramento, but right. a phone call, a personalized message yeah. would be the best. But if you can't, even if it is a sample letter, maybe personalize that one piece that you can in addition to the sample letter. But it's always good to know, too, where they're coming from. You know, I like to know that Southeast L.A., even if it's a sample letter, that 20 people from Southeast L.A. sent that sample letter. That's pretty cool. Right. They couldn't come and make it to Sacramento, but they shared their voice with me in that through that sample letter saying that they were from Cudahy or Bell Gardens. I mean, I think that's incredible, too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially in this day and age of videos, people are recording themselves eating breakfast, record a message, (laughs) you know, put that out there. Yeah. But the other key is being respectful and not doing pylons either. I don't know. In my experience, a pylon to a senator or an assembly member isn't necessarily going to win you any friends. If we're talking about our ultimate goal is a vote, I just don't know that that's the way you're going to get it. It might be feel really satisfying at the time, but it might not be the best way to win win a friend on your bill. Especially as we're seeing thousands of bills. And so it's hard to sort of disseminate between the bills and make distinctions. And it's hard when you get just a mass. Sometimes it it doesn't feel like it's personal to people. So that's where I think you you may lose support in that sense. Going back to the committee process. So we know that the chair makes recommendations to the committee. And we know that for the most part, it's actually not very common for the committee to go against the recommendation of the chair. It happens. It's very interesting when it happens. And that's, as we call, rolling the chair. What are your thoughts on that? Because that kind of goes to the importance of the dialogue that you are having behind the scenes, right? You don't want to be like, I'm making recommendations and your members are like, I can't be with you on this or whatever. So it's almost a balance of you need to know where folks are at before you make a recommendation, but you still have your perspective as the chair. And then I guess it's party discipline after that. I would love to get any thoughts you have, even though you may not be able to delve too deep. Oh, no, that's okay. That's why we're here. And I think that's (laughs) another important note, right? I've seen it done and I don't like to be a party to it, of course, because I like to ensure that I'm talking to the chair first. No surprises. But this is also a very fluid process. And like I said, there have been times where I've received advocate letters that are from real grassroots organizations at the 11th hour. 
Yeah. And then I think, oh my gosh, mind blown. And yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. I was a support. Now I don't right. think I can support this. Right. And I have made those 11th hour decisions. And what I've done is I've gone to the chair and I said, you know what, this new information, I'll either stay off because I need to think about this or yes. I may, I may vote no. Are you okay with that? And if they need to have a sidebar, great. And I would also expect the same respect as a chair as well. As a chair, what I do is we try to get in front of it too. So if I know that there's a super issue on a lot of issues related to traffic safety and ticketing folks that may be black and brown, um, and we know that there's been upticks in, in, in some uh, cities, especially Long Beach and Oakland, mm -hmm. et cetera, mm -hmm. I go and I actually lean into some of those advocates first and foremost before I sort of just let the committee make decisions because I want to know what am I getting into yeah. first? So yeah. do we have a letter from you or all the discussions being had before we right. come to committee so I can exhaust that so I don't surprise the committee either? Oh. You know, what you're saying is so important because it's pointing again and again, even if it's just a letter, having a presence, having some communication about this is how this impacts our community versus just being absent from the right. conversation. One of the reasons I, I kind of launched the podcast to begin with is because there is lack of equity here. We know at the Capitol, there are people paid a lot of money to do this full time and they have the ability to make sure that they're there and they're talking and they're whatever. And then you've got community members who they don't have that luxury. They don't have that privilege and do they know how to even do it? Who am I sending my letter to? What am I saying? And how am I making sure it's getting in front of the right person? Government, you know, the concept of democracy, people have to know how to engage and participate. And that has to be open and available to everybody. And it's hard. And it, I'm not going to say there's some simple recipe to do that. But that's because it's so important exactly what you're saying, because that 11th hour, I didn't know that because you can't know everything about everything can make the difference, right? That's right. Yeah. And podcasts like this, I mean, that's why it's so critical that we have this information out there because, again, I didn't know how to be a, a chair of a Senate committee, and mm -hmm. I don't know that everybody knew how to advocate to a Senate committee. And so mm -hmm. we're kind of both in this together. But nonetheless, I think my role and what I try to do is to ensure that all the voices are heard. Mm -hmm. Just because you physically can't make it to Sacramento doesn't that's mean right. that your voice can't be in the mix. And so- that's right. I want to make sure that my role is not just to see what's in front of me, but to say, how do I do a little bit more extra work mm -hmm. to get those folks involved and to say, hey, did you know this bill is coming up? That's right. Well, you might want to take a look at it and let me know what you think, because right. I know that if I don't hear from you now, I'm going to hear from you maybe down the line and this right. bill gets signed and we're all going to be unhappy. And then it's, it's too late. Right. So might as well do some work now, as a, especially as a committee chair. I love that. I think that speaks also to the value of the district staff and yes. the work that you all do when you're in the districts, you know, the community coffees and the town halls. And I, it's one of my basic pieces of advice is, well, sign up for their mailing list and go where they are and talk to them. Again, it's also a privilege. Can I leave work and go attend the town hall? Right. But, you know, you all try to plan them when folks can attend. That's just a basic. I'm going to show up. They're going to see me. And by showing up consistently, by showing up with the same message over and over, you build trust. You build visibility. This isn't just some right. 
somebody who flew out of the sky and I don't know who the heck they are. And you know what I mean? That type of thing. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the district teams are everything. I mean, they're the face of the state senator or assembly member when we're in Sacramento nearly 200 days out of the year. It's them that are really pushing the agenda. They're out in community meetings. Mm -hmm. We also have in my office, we have legislative brunches on Saturdays where people can attend at parks so the kids can play. So we, you know, they're everywhere. And it's incumbent upon that member to ensure that not only yourself, but your, your staff is really accessible too. I want to be respectful of your time. Do you have any parting words of advice for the listeners? I would just say keep engaged. Again, the local state level, keep engaged. What's nice is you have the ability um, when you can to come to city council meetings, to um, weigh in on state issues, whether that's through whatever format that is that is most equitable for you and, and most appropriate for you. And that looks different for people across the, the, the state. And just know that many of us really, really welcome your insight. Without mm-hmm. your insight, we're not able to formulate the really impactful laws that really effectuate positive change for working people, for moms, for dads, for LGBTQ plus people, for the environment, whatever the issue is that you care about. And even though we are a partisan elected you know, body, most oftentimes there's a D or an R next to our name or or what have you, that doesn't matter. I think through this pandemic, we saw that whether you were Democrat or Republican, people were calling us for support, whether that was for small business or for EDD services. So just know that we're here to serve you regardless of political affiliation. We're here to try to do our best to make sure that your voice is heard as well. Thank you so much. Now I have my own personal question for you. Yeah. So growing up in Long Beach, did you see Sublime Live? I did not. That's just the worst. I know. I wish I did. But I sing, I still do sing a lot of Sublime Karaoke. It's actually my favorite kind of karaoke songs. Yes, totally. What's your favorite song now? I have to ask you. Santeria. Okay. That's a great one. Yeah. Santeria is my absolute favorite. But I think all of the like, you know, even the poppy ones that are here on the radio, I don't know. There's just such positivity and love in the lyrics. I just love it so much. Yes, I know. And it still felt throughout all of the local bars and lots of love for Sublime still to this day. I love it. No, (laughs) talk about repping your city, man. Here I was a girl from New Jersey and I was in love Long Beach. (laughs) I know. Well, there's a Long Beach, New York. And every time I go to New York, I wear my Long Beach shirt, like shirt or hat. And everyone thinks it's Long Beach, New York. Oh, that's like, no, Long Beach, California. But oh, come on. It's the real Long Beach. (laughs) I know the real deal Long Beach. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again. And I hope you're enjoying or having some break time during this fall because, yes, before we blink, it'll be. I know. Yeah, I know. I hope you're resting, too. And yeah, I'll I'll be taking a little rest, too. But thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you. You, too.